Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Benz, Benz Hilaire, and right now, you are vibing to the Dread Head and Tech Podcast. To start off, let me quickly say thank you for all the love y'all been showing. I appreciate it. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, and also leave us a great positive review. Today is a special episode, episode 5. We have a special guest by the name of Charles Cole III. Charles, tell them what the business is, fam. My name is Charles Cole III. Um, I live in Oakland, California, and I run an organization called Energy Converters. And what we do at Energy Converters is help to improve public education by using student voice. So I work with the most marginalized students in our education system to hear their authentic stories and use that as a catalyst for change. Um, in addition to that, I'm finishing up my doctorate in educational leadership. To me, Charles, I'm very amazed. But for the listeners, can you like tell, like, tell, show your story about where you came from, from you being in the shelter, the homeless, and all that? Yeah, man, absolutely. And if I go too long, cut me off. Um, so I was born in Chicago, 83. Um, and I moved back and forth between Chicago and a small town called Paducah, which is in Kentucky. So I would move back and forth between Chicago and Kentucky. And uh, my grandmother lived in Kentucky. I had young parents, and I was born in a crack epidemic, and both my parents was on that was on that rock. So, you know, my parents would go in and out of jail, uh, struggling with addiction. So I spent most of my time with my grandmother. And when she passed away, uh, my father moved us from Kentucky over to, to California. So we took a Greyhound from Kentucky to California. It ended up in the Bay Area where I ended up growing up. I would eventually end up in Oakland. Uh, but before that, you know, my parents were still struggling. So we ended up homeless. And I lived in four shelters. So I lived in two shelters in San Francisco and two shelters in Oakland. And that was an experience. And I think that on some real stuff, man, I can still smell what those shelters smell like. I can still, I can smell it today. So anytime I'm hustling and I'm grinding and I'm tired, I just think back to that and just like, nah, this, this definitely ain't nowhere near as hard as what that was. And so um, I'm really grateful, man, for like coming up the way that I came up. My parents got clean when I was in middle school and, uh, you know, we kind of settled in Oakland and that's, that's the place that kind of raised me um, since I left Kentucky when I was 10. And I just went to a lot of schools, man. I went to like 11 elementary schools and didn't really get the best education and just saw that, you know, my goal was to just do the opposite of what my parents did. So my parents didn't go to college. So I was like, well, damn, I got to go to college. So that was my thing. And I just tried to work from there and I put all my energy into that. And so, you know, that led me to um, then do some work in social work right out of college. I enjoyed doing that. Um, and I did that because I dealt with social workers and I never liked the way I dealt with them. So I wanted to be a good one. And so I did that for five years. Then I went uh, to, a, to a, a nonprofit focused on getting young kids in and through college um, that kind of grew up the way that I did and, and had some success there, became a director there and, and, and eventually ran two sites and then uh, went to go and support uh, teachers. I recruited teachers, trained teachers, tried to get more black teachers here in Oakland, uh, did that for two years and then went and, and worked under the superintendent, uh, uh, Oakland Unified School District uh, for about two years doing community engagement work and communications work because I wanted people to understand what was being offered to them and how we could do better and how they could push us to be better. Um, and when I left that, I left and started my own organization. And it was basically taking all those skills from all those places and highlighting 
the special voice that young people have and possess from their authentic experiences. And, um, and it's good work, man. I, I enjoy it. It's a hustle. It's grinding. You know what that grind is. Um, and you're in a tech world where, you know, you are, you got to hustle up that capital and, and, and figure out who's going to pay for it. I'm in a foundational world where I got to like, you know, get these foundations to get behind what I'm doing. Um, so it's interesting, even though I do think some people see my organization as a tech company, which is it. I haven't really explored that yet uh, because my whole platform is online. Um, but you know, that's pretty much the story of me, man. Man, dude, that's amazing, man. I can really relate to your whole background of you being homeless. Like, as a matter of fact, let's kind of bring it back a little bit, right? So for our listeners, one thing that we do enjoy is being inspired and being motivated, right? And I know some folks probably went through the same thing you went through of being homeless and living in shelters, but some of us don't turn that into anything. We just spend our entire life using that as an excuse. So you as a kid, how did you deal with that? Like, how did you overcome that? Like, what did you do to kind of keep your mind off that? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I think I just, I think when you were a kid, your situation is just a situation. So, you know, I remember being mad broke and like poor when I lived in Kentucky and having roaches and all that stuff, right? But everybody was mad broke and everybody had roaches and we didn't have cable TV. So you didn't really know you was poor. It just was your norm. You were just in it. Like you was born in it. It's kind of how, you know, I like Batman. And uh, when, when Batman was talking about being in the darkness and Bane was like, Right, you just visit, and I was born in the darkness, right? And I think you don't recognize it till you actually see some light, and like, oh, I came from something kind of crazy. So at the shelter, you know, you just being a kid and just kind of doing the things that you need to do. And then it's once you get out of that, once you start seeing people, like when you go to school and other kids' parents is picking them up in cars, or we, I'm eating a free lunch and they got the lunchables, you know what I mean? Then it's like, wait, hold on, what's this is different. You know, I just I just remember that I'm not going to live like this forever and I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I didn't know what that whatever was. I didn't know what that out was. But I just was like, if I ever get an opportunity, I'm not I'm not coming back to this. It's the same way that when you got homies that have been in jail and they like the next time that they the jail see me is going to be like like I die first. And that's how I feel about this. I, I'll never go back to, to not. Um, having that safety security around me or my family. Like, I'll put a mask on before I go do that. <laughs> I mean it. I mean, look, hopefully it doesn't come down to that. I mean, but, bro, I feel your pain, you feel me? But, yo, like, do you remember what timeline or what era did you make up your mind to not go back to that? Oh, shit, instantly. I, so I lived in a shelter, man. I moved here in, what, 90 and 94, about 90, 93, 94, Cause that's, that's right. We moved right after like a little few months after my grandmother died. And so, you know, living, you know, it was like living with family members and relatives. And then my dad actually ended up going to jail for getting in trouble. My mom was in jail when we came, she was in jail in Kentucky. And then we was living with my aunt and my pops got in some trouble and like, he went to jail. So I'm like living with my aunt and you listening to like, you know, people have comments on your parents and all that stuff. And you can't really, I wasn't really able to comprehend or like make sense of all that stuff then. You just know it don't feel right. And then that's what I just started to trust. I just started to trust what feels right versus what don't feel right. And I was a nervous kid, man. I was always worrying because shit was always happening. So, you know, if, if I was comfortable enough to go out and just play basketball or, um, 
or play play on the bars or tether ball or whatever, man. Like, okay, things were decent. But when I was like caught up in my thoughts and just worrying about everything that was going that that could happen, like that anxiety, um, I just knew that like that's just not a feeling I want to be stuck with. And so, man, I would say, bruh, I knew at eleven, at twelve, like I wasn't this wasn't it for me. And I was gonna figure out how people made money. I was going to figure out the ways to do it. And when I was that young, I actually thought that you went to college and made money. I thought that people paid you to go to college. I didn't I don't know. I just knew that successful people went to college. My parents are not successful. They didn't go to college and we don't have money. So that's what I got to do. And when I was in school, what I learned was I always look at my life as like I'm in a forest and I'm running from this bear. And you're trying to outrun this bear, but you really, you just a kid, bro. You can't outrun a bear. And what I learned was when I look back and the bear wasn't behind me, it wasn't that I outran a bear. It was just that I just needed to outrun the person next to me. Um, and that's some scandalous, foul shit to say. But for my survival, like, I didn't necessarily have to be the smartest in the country. I just had to do better than the majority of people that I went to school with. So in California, they got this thing where if you're in the top 10% or, uh, of your class or 20% or whatnot, you was damn near promised like a position. And you was promised like to get into school. And if you had over 3.0 for the California State University system, you didn't even have to, your SAT or ACT scores didn't even matter. So I was like, oh, well, I just got to stay over this number. You know, let me do this. I got this 3.4, this 3.5, this 3.6. And then uh, I got a spot that's guaranteed, and I'm off to college. So, like, that's how my mind was working. I didn't really go to school to learn. I didn't really – I went to school. Uh, school was a tool for me to get up out the hood. And what I've always said to somebody who loves Oakland is there was a difference between choosing to live in Oakland and having to live in Oakland. As a kid, I had to live in Oakland. As an adult, I choose to live here, and it's one of the most expensive places in the country to live. And so, you know – that may not that may be disjointed and not make a whole lot of sense, but that's how it was in my head. And that's how I dealt with it as it came. You feel me? So yeah. I mean, most definitely, man. Like I completely understand. And I also find it very, you know, like fascinating that as a kid you always had that kind of mind frame. And to actually tap more into that too, I would say, okay, you know how some kids or some folks, you know, grew up and see their parents either on crack on on drugs or doing bad stuff, like did you ever get into that, or how did you avoid not following your parents' footsteps? Bro, I'm going to tell you, it's complete luck. So I'm going to give my pops some credit, and my and my parents are doing really well right now. They actually had their own little video that went viral and all that good stuff, man. But, like, my dad, who is from Chicago, who is a Chicago dude through and through, like, got his kids out of Chicago and was just like, my kid's not built for that. And I think him having that foresight, even though all everything he knew, his family, all that stuff was in Chicago, you know what I'm saying? And looking at how we, how, how I turned out, like, I think that that was a, a, a good decision for him. I, but, but for me, how I didn't go into that world, man, is like, there's a few reasons, bruh. It was just luck. It's just because I wasn't good at it. I wasn't the fighting kid. I was a little kid, bro. I got. I remember getting into a fight and getting hit and being like, I don't like getting hit. Like, so I don't like fighting. Like, there's just some people that just like to fight, right? And I was always jealous of those kids. So, but I was like, oh, this don't feel good. I don't want to do it. <laughs> That's real. The other thing is that my pops was a terrible, terrible drug dealer. He was horrible at it. Like, like it was like, bro, you can't, 
you you can't smoke up more than what you sell and sound like that's just not how that goes. <laughs> now, if I saw, I'm going to just keep it real. Like, I mean, we had, there was a situation where niggas ran up in our house and like, like jumped my dad. Right. And I remember seeing that. Now, had I seen my pops in like a Benz, like, you know what I'm saying? Out on the ad doing it. You know what I'm saying? If my pops was like the Jay-Z or the 50 Cent of the hood, then maybe I would have been like, hey, that's a pathway. But my father's failure in a life of crime and going in and out of jail, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I just, I'm not built for that. And not, you know, I'm just not, that's just not who I am. So what can I be good at? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is it that I can do? And I think, I think Andre 3000, man, I, I talk about rap lyrics a lot because that's what raised me, bro. But, you know, Andre 3000 is, like, not a hood nigga, but a nigga from the hood. Like, that's that that that's how I kind of always, like, saw myself. And when he did that line, I was mad that I didn't come up with that. <laughs> I mean, all right. Well, to piggyback on that statement, as a kid, did you used to write a lot? Um, because I'm also noticing that you writing contents and articles for, you know, well-known brands such as HuffPost. Was that something you were always into? You know what, man? Again, bro, I just think it's like you ain't got to outrun the bear. And I remember living in a shelter one time. I got this idea that I wanted to make some bread. And, bro, I wrote this, like, six-bar poem. And I, I walked around the hood and sold it. And, like, people bought it. Like, it was, uh, <laughs> I was, like, thir- I was like 12 years, 11 to 12 years old. I was, I was 11. I was in elementary school. And um, that was my first foray into, like, writing something. And then I just knew that I hate writing and I hated reading because all this, none of the stuff talked to me. Like, I remember Mark Twain, man, and, like, the Avengers of Huck Finn and stuff. And I was like, that's real cool, man. Like, that would be so cool if, like, Huck Finn was, like, a black boy from, like, Chicago that had to live in Kentucky and then ended up in Oakland and, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I never saw those stories, man. And so... I would just read this stuff and I'd just be like, who is this stuff written for? And then with the advent of the internet, man, and I, when it got to a place where you could just blog stuff and just write stuff, I was like, well, let me just give it a try. And I had something to say and I learned that, you know, I have a unique experience of living in all those places, all those different cultures, because Chicago is very different from Kentucky, which is also very different from California. And living in the country, living in the Midwest, living in the West Coast in this bubble, being black, you know, li- growing up in a hood, also going through, like, academia, not being black enough or hood enough for the hood, not being white enough or smart enough for academia, never feeling like you fit in from a work standpoint. It was like, oh, I think I got something to say about all this stuff. And I just started putting it down. And I wrote for me. I didn't write for other people. And it just started to work out. And so, you know... Um, and it just led to more and more stuff. And I'm actually a better speaker than I am a writer. Um, and I use the writing to supplement and put me in venues where I can speak. And so I'm working on this book and that's what this, this book is. The the purpose of this book is, it's just to be a platform. That's like, it also gets to capture this moment in time, but it'll allow me to go and speak to more people. Um, so that, that kind of was a happy accident too, man. Word. So, as a kid, growing and living in different shelters, what was going through your mind? Like, I, I don't think I thought about it that much. Mm. I felt like maybe a part of me thought everybody had to do that at some level, you know? And so it, I wasn't as affected 
or impacted, I think, until later on when you realize, oh, snap, nah, bro, like, everybody don't live in shelters. That's not, that's not what everybody do. Everybody's clothes don't come out the, out the bargain barrel. Like, everybody's stuff don't come, you know, my clothes, bro, is like shit that cats didn't want no more. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why, man, like, I mean, I like being fly, man. I like I like nice clothes. I don't even spend a lot on clothes. I can go on Target and tear Target or Old Navy down, but I always like to be well put together because I used to have to wear another nigga's clothes and, um, and some shit that he didn't want, some stuff that, like, he took pity <laughs> and threw away, and, like, that's what I had to wear. Like, that messes with you in a different type of way. You know what I'm saying? And so... I, I just didn't want to have to be in a spot where I had to depend on somebody else's, um, somebody else getting tired of something, you know? So, no, you know, crazy. wearing one man's trash, you feel me? Yeah. And also, Charles, one thing that I would say about Jermaine is, since we first met, dog, you are very humble. Do you think it's because of your past that you are humbled, or do you think it's another reason why you are humble? I think it's a few reasons, man. I think... I think I think humility is a weapon, and I think the same way I think cockiness is a weapon, and you got to be able to to dispatch both. And so the reason we're around my people that I'm humble is because I'm just a regular dude. There's a syndrome. It's like the super Negro syndrome, and it's like our kids be having an excuse to to not be successful because it's like success has gotten whitewashed, or that ain't me, or I'm not like that. Well, that person's just super smart. So if somebody sees that I got these master's degrees and this doctorate and built a company, it's like, well, he's just super smart. I'm not like him. And it's like, nah, bro, I was a dusty, I was a dusty little kid, bro. It takes me so long to do this work. It's like, I tell kids every day, man, it's like, yo, my master's degree didn't come because I was smart. It came because I just kept going. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I try to take that excuse away um, and just show folks, like, bro, like, I'm not no better than you, and, like, let's figure this out. I also just know, like, I got my own skeletons, right? Like, I got my own stuff, man. Like, you don't, nobody crawls through the mud their whole life and then get up and that suit is clean, you feel me? Like, we all got dirt on our suits, especially if you have to go through some real stuff. I think that's humbling in and of itself. I think I think if you're not humble, God will humble you. And I'd rather humble myself than have God humble me. That's 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 one. And um, but I also I think I come off as cocky too to some people. I, I I'm a confident dude, and I'm confident because I feel like, bro, I, I I try to walk around with the confidence and privilege of a white man. And what I mean by that is is like it's a whole lot of mediocre average white men out there that's out here running stuff. You feel me? They running it, and when they make a mistake or they fail, they just dust off and get to do it again. And I'm like, all right, well, let me try that. Let me see how the world bends to me if I do that, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it don't. But it's also like I try to put on for my people, man. Like when I when I'm in a space where and a lot of a lot of us, a lot of black folks, man, I strut a little bit because I need you to know, bro. I come from like magnificent folks, and there's other people just like me. And as soon as I get in here and I do this good job, man, I'm bringing them with me. If I got to open up the front door, the back door, the window or whatever, or, or build a hole in the roof and have them climb through. And so I kind of go back and forth. Yeah, Kader, I thank you for calling me humble. No problem, fam. It's all love. You know what I'm saying? So quick question, though. So you being raised in Oakland and you living in Oakland now, are you seeing any major changes in Oakland? 
Yeah, man, Oakland's changed, bro. Oakland's Oakland, our Oakland is y'all's Brooklyn, bro. So you know what I'm saying? It, it it's places here where like if you're not from that place as a kid, you just don't go to that place. You know what I'm saying? And like now, I see like white women in like small shorts jogging with their dog at like 9 p.m. It's just crazy, right? It's just it's just like. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so Oakland has definitely changed and it's become a destination city. And, you know, folks want to come here. Like, it's it's like cool, right? The same way people travel to New York and like want to go to Brooklyn. It's cool that y'all like it here, but there was a time where, you know, <laughs> that wouldn't have been okay, right? And so Oakland is changing a lot, man. It's just really, really expensive. But I love Oakland. I think you know, it's it's we losing a lot of our black people. We used to be a black city. We're not really a black city anymore like that. But I think there's a lot of culture here and there's a lot of heart here. And, um, you know, man, but it looks different. And I don't know if it, it's not the same Oakland that I grew up in. And I don't I don't even know that it welcomes me the same way. Um, but, you know, I am where I am right now doing this work. And if this is where I stayed and so be it. But, you know, my goal was always to add value to the places where I grew up. So that's Oakland, that's uh, Chicago, and that's uh, that small place, Paducah, Kentucky, which I didn't forget about, you know? And I need to figure out how to make this impact that I'm trying to have here in Oakland uh, also serve those other places, especially Kentucky. And the reason why is um, Chicago gets a lot of attention. Oakland gets a lot of attention. But, like, nobody can find Paducah on the map. And there's kids there. There's black kids there. Like, that's where it was the most hood for me, honestly, bro. Like, that was where, like, I lived in, like, the projects, projects. Like, it's a big square of public housing, and that's where all the black people live. And we had roach bombs and all that stuff, man. Now, I don't know. You know what a roach bomb is? Uh, Nah, not really, to be honest. Let me tell you what a roach bomb is, bro. So, like, and just in, like, the South, Midwest, roaches is just a thing. They just, the way in California we got ants, the South and Midwest got roaches, all right? So, you know, but it'll get to a point, there was times in the housing projects, for whatever reason, it'll get so bad, bro. Like, I mean, these roaches ain't even hide when the lights come on. They just they just take over your crib. Like, you're trying to eat some Frosted Flakes, bro. You popping roaches out, out your Frosted Flakes. I'm actually writing a piece on it. Damn. And, um... So you dare these things that's called bombs, these roach bombs. And what you do is you take all this plastic tarp and you put it over your furniture and then you open up all the cabinets and you open up all your stuff and uh, you lead a house and you set these bombs across the house and they explode. They, they like let off like this gas um, or like roach spray or whatever. And it's supposed to kill the roaches. Um, so it kills a lot of them and some of them just get stronger. Some of them just get bigger, right? Like, so you'll come back and in a week or so you'll see roaches with like backpacks that got, <laughs> that got wings in them. Like you see flying roaches. This is a real, <laughs> thing, bro. I'm not, I'm not, I am not speaking of hyperbole. This is a real thing, bro. For sure. Okay. So now for the kids or adults back in Kentucky that want to become entrepreneurs or want to become speakers, writers, like, how do they get into that field? Or how did you get into the field, you know, that you are in now? Like, how did you get these connects with HuffPost and so on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So HuffPost, man, it's funny. I was actually giving two talks. I was giving a talk one time, I think, in Atlanta. And I think the next time I was in Miami. And both times there was somebody that else that wrote for Huffington Post in, like, that audience. 
So one of them was like, was my homegirl knew somebody. She was trying to put me on. And then they're like, just randomly, these two other people in both these locations that had like had some ties to her folks. So they reached out to me and asked me to write on um, on the Emancipation Proclamation. And the article did well. And then they let me write on something else. And then I got like my credentials and I could just write whatever I wanted to write. And I just been writing on there ever since. And so, you know, and that was when it was like, you know, Huff has changed a lot, you know, with Ariana leaving and all that stuff, man. But then I felt like it reached more people. And, um, you know, the biggest thing you could do is when you wrote something, if it made the front page or if it made the, um, the black voices page and, and a few times I did and that, that, that feeling like the same way that when I got into that fight as a kid and felt and tasted my own blood and was like, I don't want to be a fighter, dude. This was the opposite. It was like, oh, snap. Like, my shit was on the front page and people commenting on it and, like, digging it and, like, quoting me. Oh, I like the way this feel. And so I did more of it and more of it. And just, um, and I just always, you know, not, I wasn't ever constrained around what I wrote. And I just told, I just, I just spoke. You feel me? And so that's how I got into that. All right. And um, so what are some tips or advice you can give some kids or folks back in your hometown in Kentucky? As a matter of fact, just what are some things that you, you know, that you would like to do back in your hometown for them? The one thing I, I'd want to do is just kind of be there. Hell, I'd even move back into the hood, man, and just like and just live my life doing what I do and moving how I move and then talking to young folks and then being like, bro, you got a story to tell. Like, I don't even need you. Don't even worry about writing it. Just talk to me. Like, let's do this podcast or just tell me and I'll write it. Like, but I want you to see your voice reflected. I want to get you a body here. And like, there's beauty here in Kentucky because Kentucky is beautiful. People have a lot of say, but, but like, let, let's, let's go to New York real quick. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's burst down to Miami and like, let's, let's see, like, let me show you some water, bro. Not the river. Let me show you like some water. Let me show you South beach. You know what I'm saying? Let me let me let me put you in a suit. Not saying that this ain't nothing wrong with what you're wearing, but let me like show you how this suit's supposed to fit. You know what I'm saying? Like let's let me expose you to some stuff, man. Let me let you see what it feel like to win a little bit, so we can get contagious, and you want to keep winning and keep winning. And then let me let you see how just powerful uh, your voice is, and that other people pay money to like learn about the type of experience you got because you live something that they only can find in books. And, and and what I tell my students, man, is I'll say, look, I had a kid that was writing about DACA. It was about, like, Trump signing this thing to, like, you know, not support immigrants over here and all that stuff. And he wrote about it. And he wrote it like a book report. And he, like, defined what DACA was, right? And I told him, I was like, yo, that's cool, bro, but I'm not giving you a grade. Like, that's not what this is about. I said, I can pull out my phone right now and look up and get the definition of DACA. What I can't pull up my phone right now and do is get your experience about how it's making you feel and how you how you are experiencing that. What I can I can read stuff about the tech industry all day, but what I can't just find out is how Ben Hilaire is like dealing with his experiences in tech, like what that experience is. Like that's why this podcast is important. That's why your voice is important. Like they want what we got, bro. We just got the glow and it's natural. And like. Once you can get somebody to understand that and they know that and then they can own it, you can't stop them. You can't nobody tell my story like me. Nobody. You know what I'm saying? Even the fuck ups, even when I make mistakes, even the stupid stuff I did, bro. Like 
nobody can tell like every and each of us got that and especially us because we come from an oppressed people that's real that 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 comes from kings and queens bro and like there's just a natural swag and beauty and how we move and how we rock how we like are like how we are how we greet each other and like the way we show love and everybody else can't get that and they want it and so what they've done is they found out a way to make money off of us and not us making money off of us so it's my story. If anybody gonna pimp my story, is me. And that's what I want to share with them kids. You know what I'm saying? Use that. Use whatever you got to get to where you need to so you can start making changes for other people. Um, and, and somebody that ain't did it telling you how to do it don't make no sense to me. And so I'm going to keep grinding, man. And, 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 and I think that you probably say something similar from your experiences in tech. Sorry, that was long. Nah, man, not at all, bro. That was great, man. That was amazing. You feel me? So, but look, though, as we wrapping up, though, like, plug yourself in, bro. Like, how can folks get in contact with you and support the movement? And do you have any um, projects you have coming out? As a matter of fact, you mentioned the book earlier. Is that coming out soon, or do you want to speak more about it? Thank you, bro. I, I That book is where I'm working on, it, man, but it's called Crack Baby Residue. And um, I ain't done with it yet because I got a dissertation to write, too. Um, but that's, that's, that's kind of my heart right there, man. I wrote a few chapters of it and, uh, one of the best moments of my life, bruh, is I went to, I went to Paris and I sat in the seat where James Baldwin wrote some books and I wrote my chapter around uh, about niggas in Paris and, uh, and that, that just, and I got to share that with like my mama and that was dope. So, but what I could use some help with, man, like, so you can always, people can go to energyconverters.org to see what we're doing, and converters is spelled different, it's the end of converters is not E-R-S, it's O-R-S, um, but you can find me on Twitter at C-Code third. that's at C-C-O-L-E-I-I-I, and uh, that's Twitter, that's Instagram, that's Snapchat, and then on Facebook, it's just my name, Charles Cole III, and if, if anybody want to reach out, man, reach out, Um I mean, that's how you and I met. I, saw, I I just showed love when I saw the episode. And I was like, let me just show that brother some love, man. And, like, we respond. Like, you respond. Uh, if anybody wants to get down, man, I can, I could definitely use some help uh, around my website. Um, I could definitely use some help around just supporting the work that we're doing. You know what I'm saying? And um, I can do the website, man, but it's so much to do. And it's just me, and I'm raising money, and I'm doing a doctorate, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, that my website uh, tends to be the thing that, that gets put on the back burner. So if anybody wants to help push this work forward, man, that's, that's a really dope way to help me. Um, I ain't got a bunch of money, man, but I don't know. I have to figure something out. But if so, so if somebody listening, like, damn, I like his mission. I like what he about. I want to help him. There is a tangible way for you to help. Um, hit me up. And if you ever do want to just read some stuff, man, go to Google and just type in Charles Cole. Cole is spelled C-O-L-E. And you can put in like Huffington Post or Education Post or Ebony um, and some stuff will come up. And but that's pretty much it, man. And 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 also, if you heard something that helps you, like, let me know how I can serve. Um, I always felt like if I helped other people or I did things in service out the kindness of my heart, that God would bless me. So if there's a way that I can be of any help to anybody that's listening, let me know. And uh, hit me on that good Twitter, and I respond. That's what's up, man. Charles, like, thanks again for coming on the podcast. And I like what you're doing, though. I like the grind. And you know me, though. Like, I'm down to help you out any way possible. Just let me know. Just let me know what the word is. And But I feel like we're on the same mission, though, trying to inspire these folks and inspire these kids, man. So keep at it, fam. 
Absolutely, man. And any any other ways I can be a help to you, bro? It's, 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 the answer's already, yeah, man. Just give me the details. And so hit me up, man. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the work you're doing. I'm proud of how you, like, show up. I'm proud of how you represent yourself and how you represent for us, for the culture. And um, just keep doing it, man. You on your way, bro. Like, you on your way, bro. Asking for my 